One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, it's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 10, and Libby and Nate are 7. And I have two kids. Jay is 4, and Kenny is 1. Well, 18 months. (laughs) They're pretty darn adorable, aren't they? They are really cute a lot of the time. (laughs) So this is the time in the podcast where we get the momming out of the way, and we both tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are. Because, in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. So let's do it. Deborah, what have your kids done this week? So I get Tony from the bus stop, which is down the block from her house on the corner. And I was waiting for him to get off the bus. And I could tell that he was like yapping with some kid in the back of the bus before he got off. And when he got off the bus, I asked him what that was all about because he didn't look very happy. And it was some tussle about somebody was sitting in somebody else's assigned seat that's not really assigned but they're used to their own seats and I guess this girl when they pulled up at his stop said I see your mom I'm gonna go tell her you took my seat and he shouted at her that's not my mom that's my nanny (laughs) so (laughs) he showed her I thought it was hilarious and like really clever for a 10 year old And I don't mind being known as the nanny. I think that's kind of funny. (laughs) How about your kids? Have they done anything super cute? Well, because I am ultimately egocentric, the story is really more about me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I had an epic mom fail yesterday because it was pajama day at school and I totally spaced it and I forgot to send Jay to school in his pajamas. I go to Carline to drop him off and everyone, every teacher who comes down the way is in pajamas, every administrator, every child getting, it feels like the entire world is in their pajamas. So I feel horrible. He gets out of the car. I explain to him that I'm really sorry. I forgot it was pajama day, but he can still have fun with his friends and he's pretty chill. But I still Mm -hmm. feel really, really guilty. So later in the day, I called school to just like get reassurance that he wasn't really feeling bad that he wasn't in jammies. And the head of the school, you could tell she was trying to be reassuring. But the way she put it was kind of hilarious because it just made me feel worse. Oh, no. She was like, Katie, he is so remarkable. He is completely unfazed by this huge disappointment. And she was praising him for essentially not caring at all, which is good and what I was calling to hear. But her funny tone about the importance of the fact that he would learn from the trauma of not being in his pajamas when everyone else was, was pretty soul crushing at the time, but hilarious now. That is... Not what I would expect her to say at all. 
It's not a big deal. And can I just say I love your pronunciation of pajamas? Oh, how am I supposed to say it? I say it in a Midwestern pajama accent. (gasps) Maybe the South is rubbing off on me. I think it might be. (laughs) I have to admit that normally when we're talking about them around the house, I just call them jammies. So, And also, aren't kids' clothes just basically pajamas? Yeah. Like, they wear sweatpants and t-shirts? I mean, he can't do flies yet, so all his pants are elastic waistbands anyway. I'm glad that you both recovered. (laughs) Thanks. Well, you know, he'll be dealing with this trauma for years, but he seems fine now. (laughs) (laughs) So, in our Screen Time in the News segment today, we are discussing a January 28th article from Healthline by Tony Hicks, and it is called How Secondhand Screen Time Can Affect Young Children. Wow, I hated this article within the first two paragraphs, because the very first thing it does is cite a mom who goes on to brag that when she drops her child off at the kid care at their gym, her four-year-old chooses Go Fish over an offered iPad. And then I just barfed all over the screen. (laughs) Not only does her child choose Go Fish, she teaches other children how to play Go Fish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that that lady was the definition of Sanctamami. For sure. And that's who we're citing as like a major source for this article. So I already had my hackles up. The article goes on to cite a professor on the potential effects of too much secondhand screen time for children, like seeing their parents using screens or whatnot. But it's not even someone who studies children. It's a a lecturer of rhetoric. Mm -hmm. So that also seemed a little shady. They do eventually cite one actual study that was published in the Journal of American... Journal of the American Medical Association. That's what JAMA stands for, right? Yes, I think so. Uh, That said that increased screen time over the APA guidelines does result in a lower cognitive development. But at no point, at least what was cited in the article, does it say how much more over recommendations. Mm Mm-hmm. So yada, 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 the article goes on to say what we all know, which is the important thing is consuming screen time with your children and discussing it with them. But the tone was really, and maybe this is my reacting to pajama day PTSD, like another reason for for parents to feel bad. Yeah, I was attracted to the article because I had never heard the term secondhand screen time. And I thought that was intriguing. And I do think there's something to be said for modeling like responsible screen time use in front of your children because there are legitimate reasons to be looking at your phone throughout the day. Playing Tetris is not one of them or like texting while you're driving is not one of them. But yeah, this article was not well sourced. Also, and this is kind of the case with a lot of these panicky articles about screen time, there's no gradations because the article talks about how kids who are addicted to screens can't make eye contact. And come on, like how much do you have to shove a screen at your kid's face before they 
are unable to make eye contact with a person. Like, we're obviously talking way outside the bounds of what most people would consider normal screen use. For sure. For sure. There was also a weird anecdote from that synced mommy who said that when other moms dropped their kids off at the gym daycare, they would hand their phones to their children with YouTube playing. And that does not even sound real because what are those moms listening to when they're running on the treadmill? Oh, the sounds of their own self-congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was exactly what I thought. Like, how do you get your beats if you're not, if you don't have your phone? Well, let's move on to our topic of the day, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. We watched a movie, you guys. It Not was just released... a movie, a movie that came out in theaters. Not that long ago, August 2019. I rented it at Redbox. You can buy it. You can rent it. I was just thinking of all the different places we could get this movie. And the fact that when I was a kid, we rented videos like VHS and Betamax tapes out of the back of a liquor store. And just the thought of that is wild. It is. (laughs) I used to go to a video store in my hometown. And it wasn't until I went to college that I realized what a poor video store it was because I went to like a blockbuster with some friends from the dorm. And I was like, you guys, this is so convenient. They're in alphabetical order. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I had never seen anything like that before. (laughs) Magic. (laughs) Anyway, Dora based on a Nickelodeon cartoon from the early aughts called Dora, the Explorer. You may be familiar with it. (laughs) Director James Bobbin came up directing The Ollie G Show and Flight of the Concords, and he has some serious comedy cred, but not children's show cred. The writer of the Dora movie, Nicholas Stoller, wrote Get Him to the Greek and the five-year engagement before making the jump to kids' content with The Muppets, Storks, and one of my personal favorites, Captain Underpants, the epic movie, and... I'm going to try to summarize the plot in approximately one sentence because we're trying something a little bit new. And here goes. Dora is an adolescent who goes to a high school in the United States after growing up isolated in the South American jungle. On a field trip, she is kidnapped and then must find an ancient city in order to thwart the treasure hunters and save her anthropologist scholar parents. Very well done. So we picked this because we rarely review movies that have been out in the theater. And the concept just seemed like something we had to see. The creators have transitioned to the show from animation to live action. And Dora has pretty much grown up. She's a teenager. And we really wanted to see what this would look like and how it would work. I feel like your kids were young enough during the time that Dora was actively being produced. Did you watch it with them at all? A little bit with Tony, just a little bit. And then Libby really liked Diego. There was like Mm -hmm. a uh, spinoff Diego show because she really liked his Jaguar companion. Of course. Yeah. But it's been years and years since I even thought about Dora the Explorer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is not in our normal rotation. In fact, Jay only knows Dora because 
we were gifted some secondhand books from some people who were moving and they had a bunch of these like Happy Meal books starring Dora the Explorer. So like he's read a lot of them. He knows who Dora is. He knows Swiper and Boots, but I don't think he's ever seen the cartoon. So this was really my first major exposure to Dora. Okay. So that being said, it wasn't completely unfamiliar because it's two really common genres that have been kind of squished into one. So you have the whole fish out of water high school story and a classic adventure story. How do you think they do with meshing the two? I really enjoyed the scenes when she goes to high school. It was very much like Mean Girls when Lindsay Lohan is has like no experience with American teenage culture and she is very earnest and goes to the high school and poor Dora, she's like greeting everybody. She has no sense of what kids are supposed to dress like or talk like and she has just no social anxiety really (laughs) it's interesting because it's not even just that she has no idea how to interact with kids it's as if she has no idea how to interact with humans so I have to (laughs) wonder because she lives with her parents so those right there are two humans that she presumably interacts with with some regularity but Mm -hmm. do they never go to a nearby town for supplies has she literally never seen a bus before because when the school bus pulls up she acts like what is this horseless carriage I think they lived in a pretty remote area of the jungle maybe they got like airdrops of supplies Amazon drones can get anywhere (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you the high school parts were really great I probably could have watched a whole film about just Dora's entry into American teenage culture. I think that could have been a standalone movie. Oh, yeah. I can definitely see this being two epics if directed by Peter Jackson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. What do you think your personality would be like if you were left alone in the jungle for 10 years? I don't know that I would want to go back to society. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing we should say. Dora clearly does not want to go back to the city. They never call it Los Angeles, but her parents make her because they don't think she's mature enough to handle a very dangerous exploration expedition which seems legit (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you think your personality would be like if you were a hermit for 10 years did you watch lost oh yes (laughs) do you remember danielle yes (laughs) i think that about sums it up (laughs) okay so what did you think of kind of the jokey self-referential sarcastic tone what, what would you say they were going for? Some blend of mockery and homage to the original? Yeah, I'm not... I didn't take it as mocking. I didn't think that they were so much making fun of the original as they were making references to it in, like, a really self-aware way. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a very funny scene, funny to me, in the beginning where Dora and her family are eating breakfast. And... She says that the breakfast is delicioso. And then she turns straight towards the camera and talks, breaks the fourth wall and says, delicioso. Can you say delicioso? Just like, you know, little girl Dora did in the cartoon. And the dad's reaction was so 
funny. He was like, when is she going to stop doing that? It was so weird. <laughs> and then at one point, he, like, tries to do it. Like, he's going to catch someone behind him. Delicioso. And it yeah. doesn't work. Oh, we will talk more about Michael Pena in this movie because... I was smitten. It seemed, I don't know, a little bit of a, almost an explanation for the original, because at the very, very beginning, you see like a young Dora and a young Diego, and it's like them in this very realistic world, and then it turns out on like a jungle adventure, and then it turns out they're playing in like a cardboard box with stuffed animals, Mm -hmm. and then it becomes clear that they had really good imaginations as children okay so it seems like kids who are preschoolers watching dora they could be as old as 19 years old now like they're pretty grown right i guess it just made me think about the nostalgia machine and how fast it's running now and we have watched so many reboots and remakes and reimaginings just in the Mm -hmm. few years we've been doing this podcast and they all seem very much made for us for our generation. Yep, totally. And I just hadn't given much thought to are teens now Gen Z or are they something else already? I think teens are still Gen Z. I guess I hadn't given much thought to Gen Z's need for nostalgia being met. Do they need, yeah, do they need it? I don't know. I think it would have, I don't know. I thought it appealed to definitely kids who were Dora super fans when they were little, but I also felt like you didn't have to watch the original Dora in order to enjoy this. No, not at all. Not at all. I just, I guess I had trouble picturing the older teenager that would really be in the bag for this movie. I think that cynicism was like a bigger part of our adolescent years than it is for kids now. That's a really legit point. I think Gen Z is like more earnest. That's a good point. I mean, they have big issues to deal with. Because I think like reality bites is like a cultural touchstone for me for sure. And I don't think that that type of jadedness is in the zeitgeist anymore. Yeah, well, a cultural touchstone for me is 21 Jump Street when... (laughs) Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill realize that the kids of today are super woke. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So what did you think of the cast and characters? Obviously, Dora is the star here. She's played by a young actress named Isabella Merced. How do you think she did in carrying the movie? I thought she was really good. I thought she was a great actor. I thought she was really had a lot of comedic spots in the movie. Like when she's playing that, like breaking the fourth wall in the homage to early Dora. Um, And she's just plays a kid fresh out of the jungle really, really well. And she's like so cute and has a ton of energy a lot of like on-screen charisma I thought I liked her a lot yeah she definitely sells the earnestness but the thing that I loved was that in moments of tension you could definitely see the desperation behind her like kind of panicked optimism and Mm -hmm. I just love that she was able to bring that kind of nuance to what could otherwise just be kind of a jokey character yeah it was a fine line like there was a scene where one of the characters has to use 
the restroom in the jungle and there's no restroom and Dora like kind of relieves the tension of the situation by like making up a silly song about it and that could have gone in a direction that would have really wrecked the movie for me but I even thought that was like endearing yeah the way that she played that scene it ended up being one of the funnier scenes in the movie to me at least and I'm not usually Mm -hmm. a guffawing about poop jokes kind of kind of gal same same (laughs) (laughs) so now do we get to talk about Michael Pena who plays Dora's dad yes he did one of the best scenes from the entire movie do you know what I'm talking about I hope I do when Dora is about to leave to go to American high school her dad and mom sit her down on the back of their jeep and warn her about the dangers of living in an urban area and the dad warns her about raves and (laughs) ravers and says you gotta look out for those ravers they like glow sticks they like candy necklaces they like hacky sacks and then he launches into this like 30 second I don't know, it's not a beatbox, but it kind of is a beatbox of like a rave EDM. <laughs> and oh it just my keeps gosh. going and going. Like he starts and you think, oh, that's funny. And then it keeps going and you're like, oh, wow, this is getting long. And then it gets funny again by the time it's over. It was so great. Definitely a favorite. Oh my gosh. I found the clip on YouTube and we'll post it on Facebook because you have to watch it and then watch it again (laughs) and maybe another time. It's so good. I feel like the list of actors who age so perfectly into dad roles is fairly short. Um, The Mm -hmm. only other one that I've loved with my entire heart was Stanley Tucci in Easy A. Did you see that movie? Mm -hmm. Yes. Such a great dad, but Michael Pena is maybe taking over that top spot. What was he in in his earlier career? Well, the thing that I always think of, even though I never saw the movie, but fairly recently he was in a Chips remake with Dax Shepard. But he's been, he's kind of a, hey, hey, it's that guy sort of actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. But he's definitely done a lot of work in his career. And I'm just saying, you can make the rest of your career into only dad roles. You would be great, Michael. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention the actress who played Dora's mother, Eva Longoria, who, I mean, talk about feeling old. I remember when Desperate Housewives premiered and she was like the young hot one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now she's playing kind of a frumpy anthropologist. Because she is definitely the straight man to her husband's wackiness. I thought she was really good, though. Yeah, it didn't it didn't seem weirdly shoehorned in there. But speaking of wackiness, going I'm kind of moving away from the actors back to the plot here. But how mm-hmm. do two seemingly very educated people just let their daughter get so weird and like not realize what's going on? That's a good question. They used to be ravers. <laughs> and Dora is like not cool at all. It's true. I mean, it's not even that she's not cool. It's just like raise her to know how to speak to other humans. I don't know. Am I she being unfair? She spoke like ancient Inca. That's true. She did. 
I mean, she was very smart and they kept emphasizing mm-hmm. that she was smart because she was homeschooled by her parents. But it seems like her parents just had a really big blind spot about like life, mm-hmm. which I guess if you're making your career living in remote jungles, maybe it just wouldn't occur to you. Right. I don't know. But again, it's an example that is common in kids movies and TV where the kids just have a ridiculous level of autonomy. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, were there any other supporting actors or actresses in the movie that you really liked? Um, I liked the actor who played. He acts like he's um, saving Dora, but it turns out he's one of the kidnappers slash treasure hunters. I thought he was really good. He was very believable, like as a nice guy slash villain. Had, did you look up his IMDb page? I did not. No, I didn't either, but I definitely recognize him from something. So one of Dora's friends that comes along on this adventure is your stereotypical cowardly nerd character. He was like the token white kid. (laughs) They were definitely going on some very broad, like high school stereotypes. And I loved when he, his character was introduced, I realized like he was one of the only white characters in the movie, which is great. And then there was a point where Diego and Dora and the Tracy Flick mean girl character were all speaking Spanish. And the kid said, I knew I shouldn't have taken Mandarin. And I thought that was like one of the whitest things that a character could say. Didn't you take Mandarin? Yes. (laughs) So if you get kidnapped and sent to the jungle, you're screwed. I am screwed. Yeah. What did you think about the Juicy Juice product placement? Uh, I guess I didn't notice it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was over the top. I mean, it was just that one shot when they first got to the jungle and Alejandro had a a trunk full of it, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they drank them in the jungle earlier, later on. Anyway, I was put off. I thought it was a little bit too much. I mean, it could have been worse. I'm glad they weren't drinking cokes I guess yeah I guess yeah uh did you have any other thoughts on the look of the show or the special effects I thought it really harkened back to some of the great adventure stories from our childhood definitely Mm. made me think of Goonies 100% yes yes felt very similar to that the effects though one of the major things was the character of Boots who was a CGI monkey Mm mm-hmm How did you think they did with Boots? It was like 50% of the time I thought he was believable. 50% of the time he looked really out of place. I have to think it was a really hard job to come up with a version of Boots that looked enough like the cartoon version of Boots, but was Mm -hmm. also a credible monkey. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I didn't think he was terrible, but you did definitely have to suspend disbelief. We weren't talking like Lion King level verisimilitude here at all. Right, right. But everything else technology wise, like the jungle traps and everything I thought were very well executed. The jungle puzzles were cool as someone who mm-hmm. really likes puzzles. <laughs> I enjoyed the quicksand scene. Of course you did. And they gave you some practical advice about how to escape quicksand. Do you feel so much more prepared? I do. I do. You lay on your back and you backstroke out of it. I love it. (laughs) Real life advice you can use. Thank you, Dora. (laughs) 
I also liked how over the course of the movie, they actually made the teenagers look disheveled and dirty as part through their adventure instead of just having them be beautiful teenagers all the way through. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't notice that, but yeah, they definitely did look (laughs) ragged by the end of the film. Speaking of things that I noticed that you may not have, to flip the script, what did you think about the music? You know, I didn't really make much note of it except for like at the very beginning when they were sort of transitioning into this is the story of Dora and here's where she came from and this is who she used to be as a little girl um other than that and the pooping in the jungle song (laughs) I didn't make a lot of notes about it did you notice anything Well, there was an excellent choreographed dance number at the end, like over the credits, that I thought was really charming. (gasps) Yeah, 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 yeah. That was cute. Um, You know, casually blending Spanish and English lyrics was great, but it did make me wish I had a greater familiarity with the show because I wasn't sure, like, maybe this was an established tune that we already knew. Yeah, I just didn't feel equipped enough to get a lot of the Dora references that may have been going over my head? I don't know. I didn't watch enough Dora to really know. You mentioned Goonies a little bit. Were you able to compare this to any other movies or TV TV shows? Maybe shows or TV TV shows, more movies made for adults? (laughs) That was a lot of words. (laughs) Uh, Well, obviously, in addition to Goonies, Indiana Jones came to mind. But cycling, Mm -hmm. circling back to Goonies really quick, there was, I swear, an almost exact same sequence to Goonies when they were trapped in the aqueduct and they almost drown. And then they get out the sluice gate and they go down the pipes and they really are just water slides. Am I wrong? There was like exactly that scene in Goonies, wasn't there? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's where I got the idea in my head that it would be fun to slide down giant sewer pipes. It would be if you're a kid, because you wouldn't think about all the bacteria. Right. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Did you compare it to any adult movies or TV shows? Same as you, plus that Nicolas Cage gem National Treasure, which is on cable a lot, and Jeremy always finds it. (laughs) Uh, Kevin also loves that one too what is it about Nicolas Cage and guys I don't know (laughs) but definitely like the search for the city of gold and all the clues and the booby traps and the puzzles to figure out like that was very reminiscent of National Treasure not the high school part (laughs) of the movie Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? This is totally not what I was going to say, but it just came to me. So it's going to be pretty half-baked. So I was thinking about the fourth wall breaking, right? Mm -hmm. What if we could do kind of like a Dora Fleabag mashup and have Phoebe Waller-Bridge like kind of doing the Dora character and... Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
So many more asides to the camera than we got in this movie. (laughs) I would love that. That would be so good. That's my pick. How about you? Well, I just read that New York Times article about is Brad Pitt too beautiful to be taken seriously as an actor? Uh-huh. Um, so I would cast him and Lizzo because I think it's just a matter of time before she starts acting because she's such a megastar in her earliest stage. So I would love to see Lizzo and Brad Pitt search for treasure. That sounds amazing. And it could be kind of a madcap adventure story. I can definitely see it being like one of those episodes of Naked and Afraid, which I've not seen a ton of in my life. But Mm -hmm. in my experience, in most of the episodes, the guys just start off thinking they know everything and are just cluelessly mansplaining all the things to the woman. And the Mm -hmm. woman is just like quietly, competently getting stuff done. Yeah, definitely. It would be it would be that dynamic for sure. Except I don't think there would be anything quiet about how Lizzo was getting things done. (laughs) (laughs) Was it better when we were kids? So I can't let go of the direct Goonies comparison. And I think the thing that gives this actually a big leg up on Goonies is how funny it was. Mm -hmm. Like maybe Goonies was funny to my like young child self, but I doubt it would be funny to my grown-up self right whereas Dora I was genuinely laughing at several moments I think when I was a kid I would have loved this movie at about the same age that I loved Troop Beverly Hills oh my gosh I loved that movie I did too and just I I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily better when we were kids. I think it would have been awesome to have this movie about a young girl as the protagonist. And she is like a very strong and a smart character and goes on this like really cool adventure. I can't think of anything that was quite like it from my youth. No, nor can I. Definitely a step up in my opinion. Yeah, and that's just like a standalone movie. It has nothing to do with the fact that she's Dora the Explorer, who used to be a cartoon character. I just think it's like a really good movie on its own. Yeah, it did really well in taking the premise, paying homage to it in some ways, but then just moving along with a fun adventure story. Mm -hmm. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I actually did. I did not watch it with any member of my family for this episode. And it was entertaining. Like, if I were in some magical world where I didn't have anything going on, and I had an afternoon to myself, and I was flipping through my premium cable channels, and I came across this movie, I would probably watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Do you think it has, like, franchise potential? Do you think there will be another, a sequel? I would definitely watch a sequel, for sure. I mean, I'm going to watch the 80 bajillionth Indiana Jones movie, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ten seconds on whether or not this is good for kids? Well, for my kids, I think they're still a little young. It's a little scary. Um, My kids watched it with me, and I 
told them I had to watch something for my podcast and they were welcome to watch it with me. And at first they were all mad that they didn't get to help pick the movie, but they all loved it. I can see Libby and Nate making like fake jungle obstacle courses all around your house. Yeah, they really liked it. And so, and they're older, 10, 7, and 7. So I think for that age, it's pretty perfect. Agreed. Ratings? I've been so nice lately, but I genuinely enjoyed this. I would give it a five. Yeah, same. We got to watch something bad. I know. Guys, any suggestions for something really horrible to watch? We've been, maybe it's just our post-holiday self. Like, we're just nicer in 2020? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And that's where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if we get around to posting it. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2. You can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children. And our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye.